uh, Dan Scavino pick. Dan writing on paper, Trump is holding in black marker game on. Yeah, I know some of that was disturbing. Uh, I tried to skip over the especially disturbing parts. Uh, but yes, it is really interesting. And while it might seem like ancient history to some of you, some, some of you bitching about this, as, as you invariably always do, it might seem ancient, but it's not. This is a mere, what, 30 years ago? That's it. Many of the people involved are still in power or their children are in power. Just look at Cuomo and his sons. Oh, nice. I'm talking about their daddy. Uh, yeah, he, who was governor in New York before the current one. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're another political dynasty. Um, New York. Yeah, this stuff stretches into today. And we'll, I mean, I, I, I know, again, I know this seems like ancient history, but I promise you it is not. It is not ancient history. This is still going on today, probably just even worse, considering the ease of surveilling literally anybody um, via a microphone that they hold in their pocket, for goodness sake. Uh, every one of you has one. Um, Video technology has only gotten smaller and more efficient and higher definition, easier to hide. Um, just look at what went on with Hunter Biden. That's going on everywhere. Uh, he was almost certainly being blackmailed. And actually, this, this guy, Craig Spence, in his latter year or two, went on to work for China. Yeah, he was a lobbyist for China. And this is back when China was poor, right? Um, like dirt poor. I mean, they still had, I'm sure, plenty of money to spend on, on blackmail. And you got to wonder how they grew so quickly in, in terms of clout and power and finance over the past 30 years. I suspect it's due to blackmail because blackmail is incredibly efficient. Um, they can't. What, what are we going to do? Like prosecute? You can't prosecute them for it. Um, they're, they're China. Uh, they're, they're in China. <laughs> they, they, if they can buy someone or influence them that way without have, just buying an escort and getting some blackmail material, they own someone for the rest of their career. And they can use that to their advantage um, yeah. and probably have over the past few decades. I suspect that's how they've grown, right? From a third world bunch of idiot commies into the massive behemoth threat that they are now. Um, commies have known about the efficacy of blackmail since you know, the beginning of, of commie, communism. I'm sure they write. I'm sure they wrote about it. The Soviet flavor of communists. I'm sure they wrote about this. I'm sure there are plenty of Soviet intellectuals who wrote about blackmail and how important it was. Um, it's crazy stuff. So I'm going to be reading this tonight. 
hopefully I'll, it's not a very long book. It's only 220 pages. So I'm going to try and crash it out tonight and I will um, annotate it as best I can and pull out the tastier bits and we'll go over those in the coming day or two. All right, I'm out. I think she's ready. Are you ready? Yeah, cool. I'll see you tomorrow and we'll dig in even further. See what we find. All right, we've got a lot of stuff to cover today. <laughs> I'm dropping the, um, the link to the show prep out there right now for everybody. There is a lot going on today, of course. Um, lots of interesting stuff. Uh, the GameStop stuff, <laughs> among other things. We're actually going to cover that because it's pretty freaking hilarious. Um, you know, I think it's awesome. And uh, the reaction is totally overblown. It's exactly the, what they always do. They overreact every single time and they reveal who they really are. Oh, you're not allowed to speculate on the stock market. That's just for us. That's just for the elites. Only we can do that. Only we can manipulate the market. What? But you can't do it. Oh, but it's perfectly legal. Oh, well, we're going to just halt the entire stock market because how dare you prevent us from ripping off working class people. Oh, and of course, don't forget when hedge funds do this shit and they lose money, they just take it from you. They get a government bailout and you get nothing because these people don't truly represent you, obviously. Um, uh, the reaction is exactly what you would think it would be. Of course, the mainstream media hacks and their attempt to understand how the market works so they can like bash what's happening equally as funny. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what you would expect from these uh, douchebags. Okay. So we're going to go into it. There is actually a lot of stuff that has come out in the news recently. Um, another thing that I called and uh, was correct about just saying, um, Enrique Tario, founder of the Proud Boys, being a federal informant, not at all surprising. Um, you know, oh, Bobo, while we were looking at Bobo, Bobo coughed last night for like two minutes and it was so scary. It was horrible. And I was very upset about it. I don't know why Bobo was coughing. I thought maybe, maybe like she ate something, got into something because she has an obsession with plastic. I've had to pull plastic out of her throat because she's so weird and she will eat plastic bags and stuff. That cat loves plastic and spinning on computer chairs. So she was coughing last night for like two minutes. But I think it was just dust because she was climbing in my closet like she likes to do and make a big mess. Um, so I think it could it, that maybe it was just dust that was irritating her. But it was scary for me because if anything happened to Bobo, I gotta cry. Bobo's my best friend and a cat. 
Okay, so <laughs> um, today's show, we're going to look at an article I published earlier today uh, where Biden's Department of Injustice decided to indict somebody over a meme from 2016. Look at all the people that have cats that eat plastic. Look oh my gosh, everybody has cats that love plastic. Yeah, weird. It's really weird. Oh, I guess Bobo isn't that strange. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> All right, so um, Biden's Department of Injustice indicting somebody over a meme from 2016. Uh, but when you really look at it, it's like, oh, okay, what this probably is, um, is attempting to lay the groundwork and the pretext for investigating Gab. And we're going to explain why uh, as we go over that article. China, of course, moving forward with the Belt and Road, no surprise there. Um, we have an update about Joshua Schulte from the Vault 7 case. So that's nice, interesting. Um, you know, we covered that, uh, that case for uh, quite some time. I mean, it's been an entire year since the last time we were covering updates in that case. And he was being tortured and uh, chained to the floor naked in the shoe. So that's nice. Bolted to the floor. Um, and don't forget, too, the other issues with that case. He, doesn't, he has no attorney-client privilege because the CIA is basically running shit. And, um, you know, they decided that he is not allowed to speak with his attorney privately. They have to use a CIA go-between. So if he wants to communicate with his attorney... He has to write, write it down, pass it through somebody that works at the CIA, the people who are persecuting him and alleging that he is their leaker. And then this, we're supposed to trust that this CIA person gives that note to his attorney. So there's no privilege. They have no ability to develop any kind of legal strategy because the CIA is looking at everything that they're saying. That's preventing attorney-client privilege, and it prevents any ability for him to have a fair trial. You can't have a fair trial if the other side already knows what your defense is going to be, and they can prepare for it. That's not how it's supposed to work. But then again, the entire legal system is one big joke. And it's not the way that it's presented on Law and & Order and CSI. That is lies. I saw firsthand that it is not like that at all. If you have money, you can avoid things. If you're poor, you get screwed. And everybody in that system is corrupt. It's disgusting. And then we'll look at a video, if we have uh, time to get to this, we'll look at a video from the um, last year's Davos, where an Israeli philosopher refers to us all as rats. <laughs> that should be nice. Um, 
I do uh, see people asking about um, Brandon Straka in live chat. I think he was released. I do believe that a judge ruled that he should be released on bail or something. So I do think he is out. Um, but I think that that's it as far as I know. I haven't heard any kind of updates from him. Um, I don't know if he's provided any kind of uh, updates to anybody. Hey, I threw up a link in the Zoom chat. Um, Mark Dice found a, uh, a video of literally the exact same thing this guy is being charged for. Really? Of uh, someone else doing it on the left, blue check mark. Oh, really? Yeah. No surprise there. Yeah, here we go. November 8th, 2016. Hey, Trump supporters, skip poll lines and text in your vote. Text votes are legit. Yeah, they're not going to in indict them. It's BS. And it's like, come yeah. on, if people are that freaking stupid to think that you can vote via text message, then yeah, maybe you don't deserve to be allowed to vote. It's just stupid. But like I said, I don't think that it's necessarily even about Mackie himself. I think that this was um, that really they're, they're trying to go after Gab and create a, a pretext for doing so. And um, oh, my gosh, it's just ridiculous. And there were others, by the way, more than just this one girl that was doing this. Uh, Christina Wong, who, by the way, doesn't she work for like the uh, one of these left wing publications? I'm pretty sure she does. There were other leftist memes going around trying to do the same thing. So that's nice. Um, and it just shows you how this is. Somebody needs to archive this now, though, by the way, before she deletes it. In fact, I'm going to do it right now. Screw you, Wong. <laughs> 4,000 in the queue. Ah, shit. Somebody else tried to archive that thing. Um, you want to drop the link into live chat, Pinata, for that uh, Christina Wong thing? Because I don't want her to delete this crap. We need to archive it. Yeah, archive the crap out of this, guys. All right. Anyways, let's go back to the show prep. Well, that and there's probably others. Oh, yeah. That's Try the other thing. Them. Try to find them before they take them down. Because we know that they exist. This is not, you know, the meme thing and, like, jokes are not limited to, like, the right. There are others that do it, too. And it's just so ridiculous. They're trying to make it out that it was, like, some big grand conspiracy. when it totally wasn't. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, 
inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. You guys know what this represents? Well, you and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last death hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy. America is governed by Americans. Infiltration instead of invasion. On subversion instead of elections. On intimidation instead of free choice. The corporate media in our country is no longer involved in journalism. For them, it's a war. And for them, nothing at all is out of bounds. Man will be what he was born to be. Free and independent. <laughs> this um, psalm was uh, decorated by Little Ree. She picked out all of the um, images here that she wanted to use. She wanted a double rainbow, and she insisted that we put this text down here at the bottom for some reason. Um, that was really cute. And she liked these little cherubs, these little, like, baby angels. She thought they were adorable. So that's for tonight's psalm. The Lord, Psalm 99. The Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. His exiled over all the nations. Let them praise you, great and awesome. Name he holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. In Jacob, you have done what is just and right. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Moses and Aaron were among his priests. Samuel was among those who called on his name. They called on the Lord, and he answered them. He spoke to them from a pillar of cloud. They kept his statutes and the decrees he gave them. Lord our God, you answered them. You were to Israel a forgiving God, though you punished their misdeeds. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy mountain, for the Lord our God is holy. Amen. Amen.
<laughs> that was so cute. Um, let's see. Bobo, where'd you go? Bobo, run away. Bobo was here and then Bobo left. Bobo, come back. Come back. Bobo. Bobo, go to baby spot. Go to your baby spot. Baby spot. Baby spot now. She'll come back when she's ready. Okay, so. Oh, yay, Bobo. Baby spot. Come on. I had to make room for her, for her baby spot. There's your baby spot. Are you going to go? Come on. There you go. Good Bobo. She's so cute. Bobo's so sweet. Who's my best baby? Yes, you are. Okay. Um, all right. Bobo's had enough snuggles. <laughs> all right. So the first thing we're going to look at, of course, is the Wall Street bets. And uh, the story of how this unfolded, <laughs> because I have to say this was um, uh, genius, really, the way that um, they did this. And so um, I see people, some of y'all talking about Tario in, um, in live chat. Uh, very good. So um, what the hell is this thing doing? No. Okay. Um, yeah, some of y'all saying not surprised um, about uh, Tario. Yeah, I mean, <sighs> federal informant. The whole Proud Boys thing reeks of it. Yeah, it reeks of the Proud Boys does kind of reek of that because of... Um, some of the things I saw, and not necessarily from Tario himself, but there were videos of them uh, before the six when there was the Million Maga March. Like afterwards, later in the uh, in the night, they were out there like saying some really weird stuff and um, yeah, like brandishing weapons, riling people up, and then saying just stupid things that you shouldn't be saying on camera that I just thought was really foolish. Um, and so the way that I see it is like, look, there are young, impressionable men who join this stuff and in, in sometimes to their detriment, right? Sometimes it ends up ruining their lives because they participate in some event that ends up becoming stupid and um, getting them in trouble. All right, so now uh, if you actually look at the article, though, and we're going to get into it, um, he did—he may have, you could also argue he, that he did some good work as a federal informant, like at least he put some traffickers in prison, but still you have to wonder, and you'll never be able to know one way or another what, did he create the Proud Boys, or, or did he get involved in it for and on behalf of the FBI to make patriots look bad? We'll never really know, I guess, but you have to wonder. So anyways, um, here we <laughs> have uh, an article from Jack Hadfield of National File exchanges ban trades biden administration monitoring the situation after reddit drives wall street hedge funds to the brink of bankruptcy 
and GameStop short. Bankers are absolutely furious with the market's first populist uprising. Uh, and it was glorious. This started, I think, around 1 o'clock in the morning last night. And it, I, it, it really did kind of develop organically where you had people going onto the subreddit, uh, Wall Street Bets, and they were talking about how this hedge fund was going to be, was shorting basically GameStop stock. And there were people that like GameStop and were just kind of have had enough of this crap and said, well, you know, maybe we should try to see if we could do something about it. And so nobody was like forced to do anything. There wasn't any coordination like on a large scale. It was people posting like, their own opinion, not giving out like advice um, and people just saying, hey, I'm going to do this. I think that this is a good idea. That's perfectly legal. One idiot reporter tried to call it insider trading to try to scare people, which is this is what they do. It's not insider trading if you're not an insider if you don't have any inside information. This was all using open source information. So I guess they just really think people are stupid, you know? Or they can just like scare people and tell them things that, it's just as funny as like um, CNN telling people like, oh, you can't read the, the WikiLeaks emails. Only we can do that because we're the special media boys. No, that's not actually how that works. Hey. Wall Street traders and hedge funds are currently very upset as the unwashed masses lose them billions in a short squeeze of GameStop and other stocks. Users of the subreddit R Wall Street Bets are fighting back against the multi-billion dollar hedge funds in a rather creative way. GameStop became one of the most shorted stocks on Wall Street last week after a newsletter from a short seller, Andrew Leff of Citron Capital, encouraged people to short the company. GameStop had a short interest of 102% of its shares, making it one of the most shorted on the market. To short a company is to bet on the price of the stock falling in simple terms, but Quite frankly, it's more than that. Hedge funds that short stocks, they go through a round of market manipulation first. They use the media to put out what they call their forecasts and analysis. And they'll say, oh, yeah, you know, GameStop is looking really bad. And they'll, they'll say, oh, and, and the reason why is because they're not keeping up with online trends and, you know, they shut down many stores this year because of the pandemic. They had to lay a lot of people off. It's just not looking great. And, um, yeah, that, that stock is probably going to go down and, you know, you should probably dump it. That's what they do. And then once everybody panics that it's going to, you know, it's losing money, I got to get rid of it and sells it, then they pick it up for pennies on the dollar. This is a known strategy, um, and we don't see any of these people 
getting the uh, NASDAQ to shut down for a day because they're manipulating the market. Oh, no, that's standard practice for them. They're allowed to do it because they're special boys. You plebs can't do the exact same thing they do. And that's all that happened. It's the exact same thing. So hedge funds would borrow shares of the company. This is options, um, putting in options from other investors, sell the shares on the markets at the current high price, and then buy them back at the expected future low price and return them to the investors pocketing a profit. In response, the users of the subreddit saw a perfect opportunity to own the hedge funds as the newsletter from left allegedly noted some of them buying GameStop stock. By buying GameStop stock, they could initiate a short squeeze, sending the price of the stock up and forcing the hedge funds to buy more of the stock to cover themselves. Who is winning the war? Most shorted names exploding higher as top hedge fund position plummet. <laughs> the stock was then bought en masse, with GameStop ending up as the most traded equity on the planet on Tuesday, beating out Apple, Tesla, and Microsoft. <laughs> and, you know, it's actually kind of funny. Although I've long said that. Um, Apple is tremendously overvalued. They're certainly not worth $2 trillion. Tesla, same thing. Uh, and Microsoft, good God. They just got hacked into it and had their source code stolen. But, um, you know, these are a different asset class, uh, obviously. You know, um, GameStop doesn't have anywhere near the kind of... Um, uh, size that uh, Apple, Tesla, Microsoft have. So it's kind of hilarious. As a result, the price skyrocketed by hundreds of percent. And one of the hedge funds, Melvin Capital Management, had to be bailed out for $2.75 billion. The stock price went even further out. After Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, tweeted out GameStonk, they did it. GME was the most traded equity on the planet today with a $20 billion in volume. Oh, good Lord. Look at that. Oh, so funny. It was trading at $6. And now it's an $147.98. Other stocks from failing, quote-unquote, companies that were targeted for shorts have also been boosted by the self-proclaimed degenerates. These include AMC, the cinema company who has been shut since the pandemic, BlackBerry, the makers of the popular phones from 10 years ago, and Nokia, another previous mobile phone giant. Understandably, many on Wall Street and in the traditional financial media were very upset 
when the action taken on the GameStop stocks, comparing it to cheering on hackers. <laughs> oh, they're such bitches defacing websites. <laughs> How dare you buy stocks? Only we can do it. Wrong. NASDAQ's Adina Friedman even claimed they would, they would help trading on certain stocks if they match social media chatter with quote-unquote unusual stock activity and a number of trading exchanges banned trades on GameStop and other stocks. One Wall Street hedge fund trader told the New York Post the situation was a bloodbath and expressed his frustration that the unwashed masses have figured out how to play the shorts and beat them at their own game. It's effing carnage, he added. Je uh, Jennifer Epstein, Bloomberg's White House reporter, asked Jen Psaki, about what the Biden administration's response to the rise in GameStop stock was and asked if they had any conversations with the SEC about how to proceed. Saki replied by repeating that the Biden administration had appointed Janet Yellen the first female Treasury Secretary. Ooh! And that they were monitoring the situation. <laughs> uh, good Lord. Uh, this is so funny. Biden White House press secretary asked the game stop. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Is the White House concerned about the stock market activity we're seeing around GameStop um, and now with some other stocks as well, uh, including the, the subsidiaries or whatever, the, the company that was uh, Blockbuster? Um, and have there been any conversations with the SEC about uh, how to proceed? Well, um, I'm also happy to repeat that we have the first female Treasury Secretary and a team that's surrounding her, and often questions about market we'll send to them. But our team is, of course, our economic team, including Secretary Yellen and others, are monitoring uh, the situation. It's a good reminder, though, that the stock market isn't the only measure of the health of our, econo our economy. It doesn't reflect how working and middle-class families are doing. Uh, as you all know from covering this, we're in the midst of a K-shaped recovery. America's workers are struggling to make ends meet, which is why the the president has introduced this urgent package to get immediate relief to families. All right, I'm going to go. Oh, oh, my goodness. About the stock market How about you open the economy? Good God. With the subreddit potentially coming under threat, WSB chairman, an unofficial Twitter account for the subreddit, argued that if the subreddit was taken down for its role in the short squeeze, then they better take down every single Wall Street hedge fund that has been endlessly using gangster tactics to make a quick buck. If they take down Wall Street bets, they better take down every single Wall Street hedge fund that has been endlessly using gangster tactics to make a quick buck, absolutely. Some did come to the defense of GameStop investors, however. Speaking on CNBC, Chamal Palihapitiya, the CEO of Social Capital, was asked whether there was anything wrong with, quote-unquote, the integrity of the system. <laughs> 
<laughs> what? Do you not know how this shit works? What integrity? This doesn't have any. Good lord. Oh my goodness. The lack of integrity in the, the system broke a long time ago, like in 2008, and you're just printing money now? Printer go burr? You know, I was, I was trying to make this point earlier today on the other show. Um, there's a certain amount of like insight into how the markets work. You have the person that comes in completely naive. They're like, oh, it's just, it just depends on how things work out for that company. You know, very Wrong. you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Then you have the people that understand that, yeah, well, it, it, there are cycles. There are cycles. They go up, go down. And, you know, and then you got the next level which is like, you know, oh, it, it matters who's in office. And then people just get, oh, yeah, we know it's going to switch, so we're going to change. And then you look at the people like the Warren Buffetts and like that, and then they're like, oh, we're, we're just pulling out for no reason whatsoever. And, you know, and they always make out like bandits, right? So and they manipulate then the market. Level. Then there's another level, which is basically, this is what, what this is is probably some kind of a trick that's probably way up there as far as like your knowledge of how the stock market works and how the, you know, the mechanics of all the derivative markets and things like that go. And so really what they're most pissed about is that people are finding out their little secrets. That's exactly what it is. That's what it is that they have found out what these people do and they're just playing the same game. There's nothing illegal about it. It's just regular people rather than hedge funds that are doing this stuff. It's, it's exactly what these people do. They speculate with other people's money. And then if they take major losses, they get a corporate bailout from us, the taxpayers. No, screw these people. This needs to happen to them more. The lack of integrity in the system is the precursor that caused GameStop to be sold short 136%. And for people to pile on and destroy a company in front of our eyes, that feels pretty wrong and pretty un-American if you ask me. Polyphetia replied the fact that GameStop shouldn't be allowed to exist because all of a sudden we decide that they should be obliterated into the ground, that feels pretty wrong to me. Degree can see their stocks rise in this magnitude and all of that is just fine? That there's nothing wrong with the integrity of the system if that is occurring? The, the lack of integrity in the system is the precursor that caused GameStop to be sold short 136% and for people to try to pile on and destroy a company in front of our eyes. That to me feels wrong. That feels pretty un-American if you ask me. I think GameStop is a reasonable business. Right? <laughs> but these scumbags in the media, they're just bag men in public relations for the predator class. Everybody knows that. Um, imagine being this stupid this disgusting of a human being to just sit there and carry water for these scumbags. How embarrassing. You know, I think what they do is reasonable. 
And so the fact that they shouldn't be allowed to exist because all of a sudden, like, we decide that they should be in, obliterated into the ground. Well, they, they should be allowed to exist. To they, they should be allowed to exist at whatever their stock is, should be valued at based on what their earnings are. And the stock was like free market seventeen eighteen dollars not that long ago. Who says that? Who says that? Are you, do you want to make the same argument about Tesla? It's gone 10x in a few months. You don't know what it's worth. Let's be honest. Okay? You, and you, don't, you don't think that Tesla's growth Scott, prospects? I have, I have, Scott, I have my own model for the company. <laughs> <laughs> no. Tesla? Oh, my God. No. Just no. The jump that Tesla saw was because they knew they were going to get their guy in and that he was going to move towards green energy and retarded stuff like sustainable development. That is why Tesla stock went up. It had nothing to do with the actual value of the company. I'm allowed to underwrite however I want to own it. Everybody that bought that stock is also underwriting how they want to own it. And the point is, just because you're wrong doesn't mean you get to change the rules, especially when, when you were wrong, you got bailed out the last time. That's not fair. Yeah, but does it mean that, that these, these investors who were short the stock were necessarily wrong? I mean, I still, haven't heard you, I still haven't heard you tell me what the fundamental case is for... GameStop at 350 or AMC theaters, which are, have been closed for months and months and months, is, is worth what the stock's trading at now, or any number of these things, the way that they're trading. There, there's no fundamental reason why they're there. They're trading because there's this momentum cohort behind it, whether it's on Reddit or Robinhood or wherever else. But why, but Scott, why, why is that all of a sudden so wrong to you, this kind of momentum trading? Because, for example, if you look under the hood on every quant strategy, organized quantitative strategic hedge funds on Wall Street, those things are all momentum shops. They trade day over day. Yep. That's exactly what it is. The Hills, Sangar, and Chetty highlighted that short sellers had been manipulating the market for years, using the media to force massive runs on well-meaning companies Also, they can make billions on the flip side, leeching off the American financial system. And now they're upset at having the game flipped back on them by what he describes as the financial market's first populist uprising. He says, when hedge funders and others loot our markets, it's all good. But when retail investors destroy a hedge fund, then all of a sudden CNBC analysts are calling for regulation, blame foreign powers, and talk fundamentals. I call bullshit. My monologue today, Wall Street is shook because multi-billionaires who recklessly gambled are getting screwed, and they can't stand that someone other than them is making money. It reveals how much of a sham this all is. That is 100% true. 
All right, Sagar, what's on your radar? Well, there are many enemies of the people in the American elite, almost too many to count. But if you were to put a gun to my head and force me to choose which specific area of American life most are concentrated, it probably wouldn't surprise many of you to hear me say Wall Street. And among Wall Street, it is the hedge funders. And within the hedge funders, it is a specific set of people known as the short sellers. For years, the short sellers have colluded amongst themselves, used the media, and more. That's exactly right. And the media knowingly plays along with this crap. Uh, of course, the second biggest winners of the whole situation, just behind the users of r slash Wall Street bets, are those who simply are sit simply sitting back and watching everything unfold with a bucket of popcorn. <laughs> it's a state-of-the-art video game distributor <laughs> point of view. You just bankrupted a hedge fund. <laughs> That's oh, a great image. Good Lord. Businessmen, after having a two-hour crying fit because of Redditors. Yep. Pretty much. It's just so disgusting to see the, um, the double standard, right? Now, of course, um, uh, Discord, <laughs> no surprise, Discord has banned <laughs> Wall Street pets. I think you ignore this at your peril. All right, uh, we got some breaking news on Reddit. Let's get to Kate Rooney. Kate. Hey, Melissa, the social media site Discord has officially banned the server Wall Street Bets, a part of Reddit. It's been the forum where most of these traders are talking about GameStop. AMC and some of the high-flying stocks that we've seen this week. I want to read a statement that we just got from a company spokesperson at Discord. The Wall Street Bets server has been on our trust and safety team's radar for some time due to occasional content that violates guidelines. So this includes hate speech. Oh, shut up. Shut up. Discord are a bunch of baby bitches. China scum. That's what these people are. <sighs> you know, I mean, it's just like, of course they did. Of course they did. You're not allowed to overturn the tables of the money lenders because, oh no, I mean, they, they killed Jesus for doing that. You know, gonna upset the Pharisees. And the funniest thing about it is that it's just so revealing. Um, I th and the other thing was that this was not just something that was like a um, like a conservative thing. Like there were leftists think cheering this on as well <laughs> and getting on you know on board with this stuff um, because it was awesome. So why not? And uh, you also have to think about how pathetic, um, you've got to think about how pathetic the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement was where, you know, <laughs> they didn't come anywhere close to costing Wall Street a dime. They didn't cost them one penny. This, this cost them $2 billion. And so, 
that's just um that's how i think how it should be right and i'm totally on board with this i mean i think that if people want to be able to buy stocks to prevent them from being shorted because they like that company why not gamers like gamestop it has value to them so they should be able to invest in it if they want to right i mean that's there's nothing wrong with that and there's certainly nothing illegal about it oh yeah exactly and 2020 Liberty says $2 billion is cab fare to Wall Street. Exactly. They're crying like little babies over a drop in the bucket. Oh, my God. The plebs got to do one deal. They got to do one thing. Can't have that. Can't have them understand how the market works. No, we have to pretend it's really complex and that only if you went to an Ivy League school, you'd be able to figure it out. That's the real thing that's terrifying them. It's not about the money. That's nothing to them. It's the notion that the plebs are going to move in on their scam. That's what they're worried about. Oh, no. They're going to get in on our scams. And watch the um, the Biden administration saying, this is domestic terrorism. Regular people aren't allowed to participate in the stock market. You know, no surprise there. So here, CNBC is crying about it. Um, Chamath has closed his GameStop position, but defends investors' rights to sway stocks like pros. Billionaire tech investor Chamath Palabdahaya told CNBC Wednesday he closed out his position in GameStop. The move comes one day after the CEO of Social Capital and former Facebook executive joined the trading frenzy around the video game retailer. He said the phenomenon around GameStop and a few other stocks is individual investors pushing back against the Wall Street establishment. Well, yes, that's exactly what it is. Um, and I think that the reaction tells you way more than you need than you, you need to know to understand how the system works. That it is designed primarily to screw you and to simply bolster the wealth of the already wealthy. They've created their little scam system and they're very upset that people are catching on to how it works. Their little tricks. All right. Um, so moving on. I... Biden weaponizes DOJ and throws the book at a meme maker is the true target gab. The Department of Injustice should be the title of Biden's DOJ, which has been utterly politicized and weaponized to target conservatives. We saw hey, this. Sorry, just before you get into this, I just had a comment. I just wanted to make it before we move yeah. forward on this. Sorry. Um, it, it, this, what we're going through right now, 
this, what you're about to go through in your article. And yeah. the hedge fund thing is pretty much the same thing. We figured out their tricks and their trend. They're taking it out on the little person. Yeah, that's exactly right. Voting, uh, Wall Street, doesn't matter. You figure out their tricks, that's the people who they target. They don't target anyone all summer, but yet they're going to, they, the FBI immediately puts up the Twitter bulletins. So like, look at this person, this person, this person, we need your help immediately, right? Yeah. So it's, it's like, it's, it is, this is the cartoonish thing happening again of the, of what they're doing. And I, I, if it's, if it's this obvious to us, I hope that other people are waking up. I really do. That's my hope also. And I think that too, if they do go after like regular people for trying to participate in the stock market, that's going to piss off a lot of folks. I mean, that's not just something that like conservatives do. Regular people do that. So if they ban Robinhood uh, or any of these other apps or the subreddit, they're going to piss off a lot of people. And, um, you know, they always overreact. The reaction is always an overreaction because they're terrified that they know their hold on power is so fragile. And they understand, too, that they are illegitimate, that they don't actually represent the people. They are aware that they're illegitimate. They are aware that they are ripping people off. They know this. And so anytime something like this happens that kind of it moves in on their territory, like any other gangster or mobster, they have to make an example, right, to try to get others to, to not get move in on their territory. But as they do that, as they try to make the example, it reveals their illegitimacy it reveals that they're not they don't really represent regular people of course not and so that's my hope is that people are starting to see this stuff okay so um yeah and this is absurd it, and it's just so the double standard is so glaring that it's maddening um we saw this happen with the IRS under Barack Obama of uh, politicizing and weaponizing the government. The entire government is now weaponized and politicized um, with the trend worsening in the lead up to the 2016 election. We saw the FBI and DOJ weaponized on behalf of Hillary Clinton to target Donald Trump's campaign. You know, we have this story from the National Pulse stirring up a Russia scandal to vilify Trump. Declassified Brennan CIA notes prove claims were a political hoax. Yet he's not in jail. Didn't he try to influence the 2016 election? So declassified Brennan notes prove this along with a slew of other evidence, documents, including text messages between FBI agents, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, proving that without due process, they were targeting the Trump campaign. Uh, Eric Reitens, the breaking recently declassified documents show the FBI intentionally ignored exculpatory evidence 
that undermined the Trump-Russia collusion hoax. They knew it was BS. The FBI knowingly and willfully lied to the FISA court in order to spy on the Trump campaign. As promised, we're joined now by John Solomon. He is the founder and editor-in-chief at Just the News. Right now, number one trending story at justthenews.com is declassified the Russia informant transcript that the FBI did not want Americans to see. You can go to justthenews.com and check it out right now. John, if you could give our viewers a brief on what's in that story. Yep, this is uh, a informant's transcript. Stefan Halper, we've known him to be an yes. informant. We knew generally that he had interacted with Carter Page, the target of the Russian investigation, but we didn't really know what they talked about and what the FBI recorded on a surreptitious recording. He was wearing a wire, uh, Stefan Halper was. This is October 17th, 2016. Why is that important? It's four days before the FBI is going to go to the FISA court and say, yes. give us the permission to spy on the Trump campaign. Get that, give us that FISA warrant. So they're spying on the Trump campaign before they have a warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Four days before, they want to test all the allegations that they've collected against uh, Carter Page. Remember, those came from... Uh, Christopher Steele, the MI6 agent. Yes. So they think this guy's credible. We're going to chest it out. And they write in their memo, if Carter Page acknowledges this, we're going to keep the investigation going. If he knocks it down, we're going to stop the investigation, mm. move on to another target. So they run up against, they run the informant up against uh, Carter Page, and he denies all four of the things that Christopher Steele alleged. I didn't meet with those Russians. I didn't have a role in changing the platform. We didn't have anything to do with WikiLeaks dumping Hillary Clinton's emails, on and on. The FBI... You know, informant goes back several times to try to test it. You sure now? And he tries to trick him into admitting stuff. Carter Page knocks it down cold. You'd think the FBI at that point would follow its rules and say, right. move on. We're definitely not going to ask for that FISA. You'd be wrong, though. They went to the FISA court, and they knowingly and willfully lied to the FISA court. They told them, we have good reason to believe Carter Page met with those Russians, did this on the WikiLeaks, did that uh, on the um, uh, platform, the Republican National Committee platform. They misled the court. While this exculpatory evidence was kept hidden, not only from the court, not only from the Congress, but from the American public for four years. Yep, exactly. So you can read the documents here in this article from Just the News. Declassified the Russia informant transcript the FBI didn't want Americans to see. The FBI has yet to be held accountable for their lies to the FISA court, which was illegal. Not one of the members who knowingly lied to the court have even been charged for perjury, let alone attempted election interference. Highly respected career FBI official says this should have been shut down immediately upon discovery. Dozens of FBI cite this as the worst smoking gun when Comey and McCabe were in charge. Donald Trump's campaign is a victim they never should have been spied on based on the evidence. That's right. And then what you've also got now is you've got the FBI running an informant. He goes in to test the, the reasons that they're going to spy on Americans, and they find out that they have no reason to do so, That's right. but they actually hide this document. It's really extraordinary. You know, when, you're, when yeah. you see something like this, sometimes you're, you, know, you want to overreact as a reporter. So what I went, yeah. I start to call former career officials at the FBI, yes. reached out to Kevin Brock, the former. Yeah.
former yes. chief of intelligence for the FBI when Bob Mueller ran the FBI, very respected by all sides in, in Washington. And I said, Kevin, if you have this, you're running the counterintelligence division, this comes in, what do you do? He said, you shut it down. Right. Uh, and if not, you certainly tell the FISA court, hey, we got this exculpatory information. He could not believe that the FBI preceded one of their career experts in the world of intelligence. Well, here's the thing. I don't believe that the FBI cares about yeah, integrity, honesty, due process, people's constitutional rights. Um, you you can go back to post 9/11 the way that they were targeting and entrapping Muslims. Um, this is not anything new. You can go back and look at PatCon Operation Patriot Conspiracy, where they were trying to set up um, militia groups, Christian groups. Uh, this is nothing new. They've never cared about the people or their rights. It's calling out the FBI. Uh, I've heard from dozens of FBI agents today since the story broke. They say this may be the worst of the smoking guns of what wow. the FBI did wrong. When James Comey and Andy McCabe were running the FBI, they were not following their own rule book. It's just, it's, trem it's tremendous abuse. Now, John, I will say, you've been here every night, late at night. You are pouring through declassified yeah. documents, and you're doing that to bring these stories to the, to the American people. Yeah. What else are you learning? Listen, this is a once-in-a-generation opportunity to get yes. inside how the FBI works and how they can potentially infringe on in American civil liberties. Yes. Uh, uh, Carter Page is a victim here. Donald Trump's campaign was a victim. They should never yes. have been spied on based on the evidence. Exactly. Well, I was going to say this earlier um, in the intro, but I figured I'd wait till we got to this point. Um, you know, the whole Pride Boys thing always seemed to me like contrived, kind of like the PatCon thing. Yeah. And then I wonder if Boogaloo Boys was kind of that thing in the middle, um, which, or even like, you know, could be considered that's even more extreme than the Proud Boys. So clearly yeah. Proud Boys are gay, right? So it's like it's, it sets up a, a false sense of security. Well, or a false sense of security for people to be like, oh, I, I'm not a good boy. I'm yes, exactly. So, uh, you know, maybe I... They can... Yeah. They won't go to the... Yeah. Yeah. Maybe anyway. I, you know, maybe I identify more as like somebody that would be a proud boy because I'm definitely not a boogaloo or whatever. Exactly. Yes, and, exactly. And and so and so it, both groups could be PatCon type groups. It just they, and and they almost have to have that kind of um, uh, that gradient of different levels or the different tiers. I'm sorry, that'd be a better one. Different yeah. tiers of 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 uh, purported. <laughs> As, it, as they're calling it. Yeah, you know, I mean, that makes In order to get people sense. to go along. And then maybe the, the ultimate one was whatever they did with that whole, like, uh, governor kidnapping plot thing. That <laughs> yeah. would have been even further. That, that would have been oh the people God. that are like, oh, yeah, they're not doing enough. We need to go even further. And then they, they, they go them on again. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And all the while, uh, paying the guy that was part of the, um, the Whitmer plot, that FBI informant, was paid $35,000 to set up that entrapment plot. And the thing is, is that, you know, we don't really know 
all of the details about this. We know what comes out, but we don't see the context of these conversations. Were they just joking around? Were they just blowing off steam like people do? You know, I mean, what was the real context of the, the little things that we were provided anyways? We don't really know what the level of um, complicity was in that kidnapping plot. Were they, re were they really even serious about it? And this is the problem with these FBI entrapments, is that these people will wear a wire, they'll record, but then they will selectively edit that tape with what they choose to present to the court. So you're not getting the full picture. You don't know if after that clip where they say, yeah, let's go, you know, kidnap her. You don't know if they, it, 10 minutes later said, oh, you know, we were just kidding about that, or that would be funny, but we're not really gonna do it. We don't know. That's the problem. And they're not going, none of these people get any kind of fair uh, representation or fair defense. Defense attorneys are overworked, underpaid, and the way that the system works is they tell uneducated people and poor people, oh, it's best for you to take a plea deal because you don't want to go up against a jury because they could possibly convict you. So instead of, you know, facing a conviction, which will most likely happen, that's what they'll tell you because they just want to get rid of this stuff and move on to their next case. They don't want to have to do that much work. So they're going to do what's easiest for them, where they, they convince people to take plea deals and they terrify them into taking a plea deal, and in a lot of cases, for something that they didn't do. That's unconscionable. So uh, that's the FBI for you. John Solomon says his team is going to release evidence that the plan to fire Comey was long in the works before it ever reached the Oval Office, meaning the obstruction of justice allegation against President Trump was and is a complete lie. Tomorrow, we're going to turn to a different part of the Russia collusion investigation. Not collusion, but remember, the Democrats tried to build and the FBI tried to build an obstruction case. Right. Bob Mueller said, hey, when uh, James Comey was fired, the FBI might have been trying to obstruct uh, uh, the, or excuse me, Donald Trump might have been obstructing the FBI. That's March of 2017. We're going to put out some FBI notes tomorrow, senior officials, contemporaneous, typewritten, that reveal that the plan to fire Comey was not engendered in May of 2017 during the heat of the Russian investigation. It went all the way back to January, months before the president was upset, and it started with Attorney General Sessions and uh, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. Even the aura that they gave us of obstruction is now undercut by the FBI's own evidence. And multiple FBI agents wrote this, not one, multiple senior executives wrote this. Tomorrow, wow. we're gonna turn to a so again, when we're talking about charging people for interfering in the election, <laughs> what a joke. This investigation was fraudulent and Christopher Ray apparently has done nothing to reform the agency after they tried to change the outcome of the 2016 election in order to overturn the will of the American people. According to John Solomon, 
Dossier author Christopher Steele admitted to the FBI he leaked the Russia collusion story during the height of the 2016 election to help Hillary Clinton overcome her lingering email scandal because he believed Trump's election would be bad for U.S. relations with his home country of Britain, according to documents declassified by the president in his final full day in office. The FBI report of an interview agents conducted with Steele in September 2017, nearly a year after he'd been terminated as an informant, provide explosive information about his motives. And working simultaneously for the FBI and the opposition research firm for Clinton's campaign. The document was obtained by just the news and at times reads like a confession from the now infamous former MI6 agent and author of the anti-Trump dossier. Steele told agents that then FBI Director James Comey's decision to reopen the Clinton email investigation in the fall of 2016 became his tipping point for leaking the anti-Trump collusion research that his company, Orbis Intelligence, had gathered and given to the FBI. Steele explained that as the election season went on, they as a company were riding two horses, their client in the FBI. And after FBI Director James Comey's reopening of the Clinton investigation, they had to pick one horse and choose the business-client relationship over the relationship with the FBI. They followed what their client wanted, and they spoke to the press. Oh, so that would have been Hillary Clinton, their client, the Clinton campaign. So here we learn Hillary Clinton's campaign came up with a Russia collusion hoax, and they farmed it out to Fusion, GPS, and Orbis. These cutouts then funneled the information to the FBI and the press in order to interfere in the outcome of the 2016 election. To date, only one person has been indicted, lawyer Kevin Kleinsmith. Hillary Clinton remains free. You know, just a thought. Um, remember the, the whole Stephanopoulos thing where um, he's like uh, with Trump in the Oval Office? And he's like, would you, if you heard something, would you report it? Um, I wonder if that's related to that particular thing. Like they were basically feeding the FBI, not that they <laughs> needed it, you know, as far as <laughs> to, to, they, you know, for the FBI, I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> right. not that. They needed a reason. Um, but I wonder if they were like, oh, it was official because we were reporting things we were hearing, you know? Yeah, right? I mean, it's just insane. And it's it pisses me off and it should piss all of you off, right? I mean, this is ridiculous. And it's Banana Republic level... Um, you know, behavior. So when word came out today that Joe Biden's DOJ was charging someone with election interference in the 2016 election, I was stunned. 
to see that instead of Hillary Clinton or Glenn Simpson of Fusion GPS, it was a Florida meme maker being charged. This double standard is maddening, and the apparent politicization and weaponization has continued unabated, perhaps even accelerating, since Biden was declared president. Of course, the official East German Stasi for NBC News, who doxed and defamed my family, Brandy Zadrozny, was cheering on the charging of a regular citizen over some memes. Woo! Notorious, true, and white nationalist Ricky Vaughn, real name Douglas Mackey, charged with election interference for disseminating misinformation designed to deprive individuals of their constitutional right to vote in the 2016 election, facing up to 10 years. This is absolute absurdity. Now, we can see, too, that if we look at what does this mean, depriving individuals of their constitutional right to vote? Didn't Hillary Clinton try to do that by trying to overturn the results of the 2016 election based on fraudulent information the FBI themselves cooked up? Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's like, this is what, this wasn't just for me today. My reaction to this was not about, you know, the, it, it's the selectiveness of, of how they're approaching this. And we, and we saw it with the, with the January 6th thing, um, the same thing. It's like, they can't be bothered unless it's very specific and it's very, very targeted. And you cannot ignore the, um, the best analogy or the best word I can think of is urgency. The urgency at which these people move yep. at particular people, categories, and topics. Yeah. And here they're all about election integrity, all about it. You cannot look at this person. And what did we end up finding about, you know, it was mostly Facebook ads that was the whole Russian GRU thing anyway. Yeah. And oh, so, yeah. but, the, but you know, that was three years. But we have actual instances and statistical data and actual evidence. And no, no, now, no, I'm sorry. Now you're just domestic terrorists. <laughs> Basically. It's the, 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 the magnitude of the difference is so, it's so overwhelming. It, it, I'm, to, it, this this is this can't continue. It, I mean, as far as like I'm saying, as far as the reality bubble and narrative that they're trying to create, it's so over the top. But unfortunately, there are some people that are still uh, knee deep in this, and or you know, up to their eyeballs, and in the propaganda that we need to wake up. And so, what I've been currently trying to devise is how to reach the people that have not even started to realize what's going on. That's that's my current. Uh, goal. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's maddening. And I, my hope, though, is that, um, that normies will understand this or will start to see this and say, gee, this seems a little unfair, right? You know what I mean? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not sure how much this stuff gets to the normies, though, unfortunately, because of the stranglehold 
they have on the media. I don't know if like regular people are even seeing this stuff and understand what it means. Uh, they describe this guy as a white nationalist. You know, oh, context, right? Because the media provides context that's always BS. Trump's most influential white nationalist troll. Good Lord. Oh, yeah, here's when they dox this guy, um, you know, over nonsense. Keep in mind that NBC News refers to anyone to the right of Chairman Mao as a white supremacist or white nationalist, even if they're black or Hispanic. <laughs> Here's our story. Twitter troll arrested for election interference related to disinformation and A-plus footnote. Normie is a noun and adjective describing someone often pejoratively or ironically whose tastes and lifestyles are mainstream. This is not objective journalism. It's ideological warfare. She is a soldier in an ideological war against the American people. NBC News has done more to interfere in our elections than the troll that has been indicted. From DOJ press release today about the indictment of Douglas Mackey, a.k.a. Ricky Vaughn. That was his username, Ricky Vaughn. Um... It's just stunning. Social media influencer charged with election interference stemming from voter disinformation campaign. So now memes can be called voter disinformation campaigns. Defendant unlawfully used social media to deprive individuals of their right to vote. <laughs> I, it's just such a slap in the face after what they did in 2016. Well, what, 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 do you, what do you call um, all of the three and four years of, of Russian disinformation over the mainstream media? Is that not a disinformation campaign? Right, designed to sway voters and interfere in the election? This is ridiculous. It, it was not a campaign to prevent people from being allowed to vote. That's ridiculous. It is exactly, good Lord, that's still going. It's exactly what uh, Wong did, where she just said, hey guys, you know, text to vote as a joke. Oh, it's okay for Wong to do it. No, she needs to be indicted next, right? if that's what constitutes a voter disinformation campaign. Douglas Mackey, AKA Richie, Ricky Vaughn, 31 of West Palm Beach was charged by criminal complaint in the Eastern District of New York. He was taken into custody this morning and made his initial appearance before U.S. Magistrate Judge Brucey e. Reinhardt of the Southern District of Florida. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> Look at this retarded BS. According to the allegations in the indictment, the defendant exploited a social media platform 
to infringe on one of the most basic and sacred rights guaranteed by the Constitution. Uh, what about Wong then? Did she not do the same thing? Well, you see the language? The language they use is broad. Yep. It's what he actually did didn't impact anything. It's the same thing that they do all the time. They overplay something, they generalize in order to install a narrative. Yep. And, and a reasoning for doing some draconian uh, BS next. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's ridiculous. And they're doing this on purpose. I mean, to this broad and vague generalizations is designed just exactly like calling uh, millions of people domestic terrorists as to create a broadest umbrella as they can to try to basically criminalize uh, dissent. That's what this is. But then, of course, it's applied selectively. <sighs> oh, this indictment underscores the department's commitment to investigating and prosecuting those who would undermine citizens' voting rights. Well, everybody, you better contact Nicholas L. McQuaid, the acting assistant attorney general for the DOJ criminal division, and let him know about Christina Wong's attempts to undermine our voting rights. There's no place in public discourse for lies and misinformation that would defraud citizens of their right to vote. Again, you can constitute or construe anything really to be that, to be misinformation or lies. Who is the arbiter of truth? With Mackey's arrest, we serve notice that those who would subvert the democratic process in this manner cannot rely on the cloak of internet anonymity to evade responsibility for their crimes. Crimes? They'll be investigated, caught, and prosecuted. How stupid. By soliciting voters to cast their ballots via text amounted to nothing short of vote theft. Well, there you go. Christina Wong needs to be indicted. Voter theft. Good Lord. <sighs> While this activity was foolish and juvenile, it is trolling, and it's no different than the memes and trolls that the left issued trying to fool Trump supporters, like the one that we just looked at from Christina Wong. This activity certainly didn't contribute to massive voter fraud or suppression, as you almost have to be mentally challenged to believe what it was saying. It was clearly satire, unless you are uneducated enough to think you can vote via text message. Why is it that Hillary Clinton can initiate a military-grade disinformation campaign and get the FBI and DOJ to act to benefit her campaign, up to and including a special counsel that cost the American taxpayer over $32 million, on top of which face no consequences at all, but this guy can do a meme campaign and have the book thrown at him? What becomes immediately clear 
is that this indictment isn't really about Mackey at all. The end goal appears to be going after Gab. Examine the information the FBI is laying out here, and it appears to posit a legal pretext to go after Gab legally, and potentially Andrew Torba himself. This is interesting. When we consider that just a week ago, the ADL was demanding that the DOJ and FBI investigate Gab and Torba. So here we have the, uh, the complaint here. It should be noted, by the way, that the Eastern District of New York is notoriously corrupt. It says, on or about September 2016 and November 2016, both dates being approximate and inclusive, the Eastern District of New York and elsewhere, the defendant, also known as Ricky Vaughn, together with others, conspired to injure, oppress, threaten, and intimidate persons in the free exercise and enjoyment of a right and privilege secured to them by the Constitution. No, they didn't. This is not oppressing or injuring anybody. Nobody was threatened by a meme that said, oh, text to vote. That's retarded. This amounts to throwing the book at this guy. But these same authorities don't care when Hillary Clinton and the FBI and DOJ interfere in the election. So here we've got uh, Special Agent Megan Reese with the FBI, who has been an agent for uh, more than three years and is responsible for conducting and assisting investigations into the activities of individuals and criminal groups engaged in public corruption and offenses against the public. Oh, just not Hillary Clinton, you know. <laughs> These investigations are conducted in both an undercover and overt capacity. Yeah, yeah, we understand that you guys work for the ruling class. So this is their stupid statement that they always give initially. You know, this FBI agent, Agent Reese, seems unconcerned with her own agency interfering in the 2016 election if her job is to uncover public corruption that affects the people. Why isn't she investigating Hillary Clinton? In 2016, Mackey, working with other individuals described in greater detail below, made coordinated use of social media to spread disinformation relevant to the impending 2016 election. The disinformation spread by these individuals often took the form of memes. Oh, okay. Mackey and his co-conspirators variously discussed and debated aspects of the memes, including their content, their formatting, and the timing of their release, and a desire that memes would influence the behaviors of those who saw them. Oh, isn't that what a meme does? You know, we've always, we've kind of said, 
pretty much <laughs> these people have to justify their own existence. And I think that comes even at the agent level that yep. they're like, uh, well, 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 so-and-so, um, there's not work right now. So we're going to have to let you go. Well, um, I like, prosecuted this meme, this meme person, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and then all of a sudden now they get three months of more work, write a report and this and that and charge somebody. And then it's like, they're, they're all like fighting for their own like livelihoods, but by doing despicable things and going after people like this. Right. But, but this, to me, this is, this is like, who was, who was out there and brought the case to this? Why? And then why now? Like, exactly. it's, you know what I mean? Why it's the now? timing, the timing, the, it basically means that this is not about 2016 election. This is about the, just the past election, just now, the one that just happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. But if they, but if they went out, but if they went out and said it was about this one, oh, then all of a sudden the optics look bad. They're already horrible to begin with. Not, don't get me wrong. What, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. By going after the previous election, they're, they're, they're masking what their true intent is, which is this election. And again, trying to justify their own existence by you can, and you can tell by their urgency. And it's not, it's not you know, but I don't think under this administration that they don't have any, there's no danger of them losing the FBI. And that's, you know, that's not what I mean. Um, it's just that overall, I feel like they kind of justify their own existence by creating things. And then that's how you get the things like the pack on thing. And then you get frivolous things like this. Where there's really no injury. No, nobody actually fell for this crap. That's absurd. And I guarantee that they can't prove that one person was swayed by this obvious satire. Right? I mean, it's so stupid. I just, you know, I don't even know what to say at this point. It's so, it's such a slap in the face and it's on so many levels, right? It's not just this one thing. The double standard is apparent when Antifa's allowed to riot for six months, burn down cities, destroy and loot businesses, murder over 40 people, and that's not called an insurrection? Really? Really? So this allegedly occurred back in 2016. You might be asking, why is he being indicted now in 2021? Well, I think it's because they need some kind of pretext to try to say that Gab somehow facilitated this. If we note here, right, this is when they start talking about his Twitter and his Facebook. And by the way, uh, look at his Twitter usernames. Most of this activity occurred on Twitter. And again, there are many left-wing accounts who engaged in the same kind of activity. But, you know, they're not going to tell you that. The absurdity of this should be lost on no one. So here's where it becomes clear what this is really about, targeting Gab. When we get down here it's to this footnote, it says, based on my training experience and investigation to date, I understand that Gab is a social networking website that, quote, champions free speech, individual liberty, and the free flow of information, unquote. Gab homepage, available at gab.com. 
in the late 2016, Gab was not available for use by the general public and was only available to invited users. C, banned from Twitter. This site promises you can say whatever you want. Washington Post article. Noting that various social media users had moved to Gab following suspension from other social media platforms such as Twitter. From this point on in the indictment, Gab is mentioned increasingly, even though the actual trolling activity took place on Twitter. So that's interesting. And I think that that should not be lost on us. As can be seen, this indictment and charge really seems to be about dirtying up Gab, potentially at the behest of the ADL. And here we see it again. Twitter's message announcing the ban via social media website Gab. The screenshot uploaded to Gab included the following message from Mackey. We all knew this was coming. Don't worry, I will return to Twitter soon. So they're gonna say, oh, okay. This, they said that on Gab, so Gab must have been helping people evade Twitter suspensions or something, or must have known about this. I mean, I can't say with certainty that the real target here is Gab, but what raises suspicions is the number of Gab mentions, especially considering the timing of the ADL demands. You can read the rest of the indictment here. I have that linked. Here's the ADL saying, we need to determine whether the social media site Gab played a role in facilitating or encouraging the siege of the Capitol. We wrote to the Justice Department, calling for a criminal investigation into the platform and its founder. That's ridiculous. This indictment of Douglas, aka Ricky Vaughn, I believe is really about manufacturing and providing a pretext to target Gab and Andrew Torba. It seems to me that if the FBI was serious about prosecuting election disinformation cases, Hillary Clinton and Fusion GPS would have been charged by now. Mountains of evidence exist depicting their disinformation campaign in great detail. Oh my gosh, I know what they're doing. You remember when about a month before the election, I said that they were going to just declare Biden the winner and, and mute everything else? Mm -hmm. It's with the same clarity I'm making this one. Why did they purge everybody off Twitter? Mm -hmm. Why now? Yeah, right. The, this this reason, the thing, you're just, the thing you just read. Yeah. Now they have an excuse. It wasn't us because we banned everybody. Then they push everybody to get. Now yep. think about the whole thing with like, they were saying like, oh, Marjorie, like uh, rep Marjorie was harassing David Hogg. What's about to happen in two weeks of an anniversary? Oh, wow. And then now they're in charge again. So we can expect some of the pew pews to start again, right? Yep. So That's right. think about what they did. January 6th, this push right at the height of impeachment, right at the banning everybody, pushing everybody over there, getting rid of Parler, an alternative. Oh, wow. Yeah. Pointing, and which we know is a Mercer thing. You point yep. it on Gab, and then there's your, there's your, there's, there's the future thing. I'm not going to say what it is. You know what I'm talking about. Yep. They're going to have an event. Yes, they are. 
Yeah, that's exactly what this seems like. I think they're going to have an event and they're going to use it to say that, no, you can't use private services. You have to use these other things. They may even try to say, okay, fine, we're going to make things public utilities, but really it's going to be government controlled utilities and you can't have private anything. Yeah. You can't build your own whatever anymore. That's going to be exactly. They've been using You have that to use our approved, corporatized, uh, and governmental thing. Yep, exactly. That's exactly what it seems like. If you like line up doing. all those things, and then, like I said, with the, with the bannings and the purges, and then the then taking down a parlor too, and all of that, and then now this out of nowhere? And then, of course, did you see that thing today about like, oh, like all of a sudden, Department of Homeland Security says there's going to yep. be something happening in two weeks or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's so, in my show prep. We should bring that up next, actually. You see what I'm saying? You line yeah. all that up. And there you go. Yeah, it does seem very bizarre, right? You know, that the fact that the timing of it, the ADL putting that out there, um, demanding that they investigate uh Gab and Andrew Torba himself personally, that's ridiculous. But these scumbags, they don't care. All right, so let me pull this up. And, and you know, this is what they do. Um, anytime something comes up that, like, is not something that they control, right? Um, this is also why this channel has been such targeted so hard the way that we have been is because it's an unfiltered um, way where regular people can have a voice and, and they don't like that. So here's what was just put out today. This is what he was talking about from DHS national terror advisory system bulletin. <sighs> Let me actually view this as a PDF. Sometimes that's easier to read. Let's zoom in on this guy. The acting secretary of Homeland Security issued a national terror advisory system bulletin due to a heightened threat environment across the United States, which DHS believes will persist in the weeks following the successful presidential inauguration. Information suggests that some ideologically motivated violent extremists with objections to the exercise of government authority in the presidential transition, as well as other perceived grievances fueled by false narratives, could continue to mobilize to incite or commit violence. This bulletin will expire on or before April 30th, 2021. Throughout 2020, DVEs, they call that domestic violent extremists, whatever that means, targeted individuals with opposing views engaged in First Amendment protected nonviolent protest activity. What? DVEs motivated by a range of issues, including anger over COVID restrictions. Look how they tie in being upset about the entire country being locked down and people being unable to work or feed their families or pay their rent. 2020 election results and police use of force have plotted and on occasion carried out attacks against government facilities. Oh, you mean uh, Antifa attacking ICE facilities. Long-standing racial and ethnic tension, including opposition to immigration, 
has driven DVE attacks, including a 2019 shooting in El Paso, Texas, that killed 23 people. DHS is concerned these same drivers to violence will remain through early 2021, and some DVEs may be emboldened by the 6th of January breach of the Capitol building to target elected officials in government facilities. No, they were allowed in. They were being waved in. The, some of the Capitol Police officers were taking selfies with these people. How many of them thought they had permission to go in? That's a legitimate question. A lot of people don't understand the law, the legal system, and when they saw cops waving people in, maybe thought they had a right to be there, that they were being invited in. I mean, is that not something that we should consider? <laughs> I didn't see anybody bringing like semi-automatic weapons or anything like that. DHS remains concerned homegrown violent extremists inspired by foreign terror groups who committed three attacks targeting government officials in 2020 remain a threat. Look at how they add in here, inspired by foreign terrorist groups, because that's what John Brennan said, that they're, that, you know, Trump supporters are like ISIS. That's what he said. And Andrew McCabe said the same thing. So this is ridiculous. If you see something, say something. Right, be a little informer. Absolutely preparing people for the police state. Now we've got uh, Enrique Tario was an FBI informant extremist leader, of course, everything's extremism unless it's liberalism, repeatedly worked undercover for investigators after his arrest in 2012, former prosecutor in court files reveal. No surprise there. Enrique Tario, the leader of the Proud Boys extremist group, right, everything's an extremist group, has a past as an informer for federal and local law enforcement, repeatedly working undercover for investigators after he was arrested in 2012, according to a former prosecutor and a transcript of a 2014 federal court proceeding obtained by Reuters. In the Miami hearing, a federal prosecutor, uh, a federal prosecutor and FBI agent in Tario's own lawyer described his undercover work and said he had helped authorities prosecute more than a dozen people in various cases involving drugs, gambling, and human smuggling. Tario, in an interview with Reuters on Tuesday, denied working undercover or cooperating in cases against others. I don't know any of this, he said. When asked about the transcript, I don't recall any of this. Uh, how would you not know if you'd worked undercover for feds? What? 
law enforcement officials and the court transcript contradict Tario's denial. In a statement to Reuters, the former federal prosecutor in Tario's case, Vanessa Singh Johans confirmed he cooperated with local and federal law enforcement to aid in the prosecution of those running other separate criminal enterprises, ranging from running marijuana grow houses in Miami to operating pharmaceutical fraud schemes. Tario 36 is a high-profile figure who organizes and leads the right-wing Proud Boys in their confrontation with those they believe to be Antifa. Good Lord. Look at how the Guardian words crap. The Proud Boys were involved in the deadly insurrection. It was not an insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. The records uncovered by Reuters are startling because they show that a leader of a far-right group now under intense scrutiny by law enforcement was previously an active collaborator with criminal investigators. Washington police arrested Tario in early January when he arrived in the city two days before the Capitol Hill riot. He was charged with possessing two high-capacity rifle magazines and burning a BLM banner during a December demonstration by supporters of Trump. In, in D.C., Superior Court ordered to him to leave the city pending a court date in June. Though Tario did not take part in the Capitol insurrection, at least five Proud Boy members have been charged in the riot. The FBI previously said Tario's earlier arrest was an effort to preempt the events of January 6th. Oh, so they knew something was going to happen, right? And they just let it happen. How many other FBI informants were involved, though? Were any paid like $30,000 to participate in this? Just, just wondering. The transcript of 2014 shines a new light on Tario's past connections to law enforcement. During the hearing, the prosecutor and Tario's DA, defense attorney, asked a judge to reduce the prison sentence of Tario and two co-defendants. They had pleaded guilty in a fraud case related to the relabeling and sale of stolen diabetes test kits. The prosecutor said Tario's information had led to the prosecution of 13 people on federal charges in two separate cases, and it helped local authorities investigate a gambling ring. Tario's then-lawyer, Jeffrey Feeler, said in court that his client had worked undercover in numerous investigations, one involving the sale of anabolic steroids, another re regarding wholesale prescription narcotics, and a third targeting human smuggling. He said Tario helped police uncover three marijuana grow houses and was a prolific cooperator. In the smuggling case, Tario, at his own risk in an undercover role, undercover role met and negotiated to pay 11000 to members of that ring to bring in fictitious family members of his from another country, the lawyer said in court. Oh, sounds like entrapment again. In an interview, Feeler said he did not recall details about the case, but added the information I provided to the court was based on information provided to me by law enforcement and the prosecutor. An FBI agent at the hearing called Tario a key component in a local police investigations involving marijuana, cocaine, MDMA, or ecstasy. 
the Miami FBI office declined comment. Interesting. There is no evidence that Tario has cooperated with authorities since then. In interviews with Reuters, however, he said before rallies in various cities, he would let police departments know of the Proud Boys' plans. Hmm. It is unclear if this was actually the case. He said he stopped this coordination after 12 of December because the D.C. police had cracked down on the group. Tario on Tuesday acknowledged that his fraud sentence was reduced from 30 months to 16 months, but insisted that leniency was provided only because he and his co-defendants helped investigators, quote-unquote, clear up questions about his own case. So we're supposed to believe that a guy who repeatedly goes in, infiltrates and turns on people <laughs> is right. not doing it this time. This is diff- this is the different case, right? This is oh this isn't an outlier. This isn't an outlier. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's only been doing this <laughs> since 2012, guys. You know. Yeah, this this <laughs> doesn't seem like and he's the leader say about 30 minutes ago about what they were doing with these groups. This exactly. is I didn't even know this. And again, like I say most times, I don't read ahead because I want my my reaction to be genuine. I said that before I got to this point. Yeah. And and it's again, it's I guess it's not about like trying to I just want it to be genuine. And, and if we can figure this out based on the limited information I had before we even got to this point, then it should be obvious to more people, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is the other thing. If anybody continues on in the Proud Boys group after this has come out, uh, that is extremely foolish because it seems to me like And think about this, too. Every time the Proud Boys would show up and cause trouble, this guy would always, he would never get arrested, right? I mean, isn't that a little interesting, too? Think about that. Because we look how they go after anybody. If it was anybody else that wasn't like an informant, don't you think they would have tried to to go after him before? Because what happened uh, after the Million MAGA March, the Proud Boys were on camera fighting with Antifa. He was there, and yet he didn't get arrested. And I just know that the FBI is always itching to arrest Trump supporters, conservatives, and and smear them. So to me, I just—and I did think it was weird that, like, that he hadn't been, that nothing had happened to him, you know, uh, until Who detained detained him before he got to D.C.? Wait, what? Who detained him before he got to D.C., right? He actually got detained by the uh, D.C., I think the D.C. Capitol Police when he, right when he got into D.C., right when he crossed in. It may have been that's, that or the FBI. Actually, it may have been the FBI, the Washington because, field well, office. The reason why I say who it was, it's important to know who it was. Yeah. Is because if he was some kind of an asset and they did not want him optically to be involved. But yes. I was thinking, but I was thinking it, if they did optically be involved, it would actually have to be more white hat centric. 
because remember what he said at the debate. He said, proud boys, stand back, stand by. Can you imagine right. what this thing would be right now if it oh, had been the proud wow. boys that had led the storming? Oh my gosh. Yeah, right. They would have totally. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And they would then they would have had like another another point which to draw their their little whatever their their mess of dots that they somehow turn into some kind of narrative, you know. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. It's not even a connect by numbers, it's connect by bullshit. Um but you know, <sighs> you see what I'm saying? I, I that's why that's why when we're going over this now, I'm thinking they stopped him. Why? Exactly. And so, and I'm, and I'm thinking now that that's, that's, that's whatever it was, even if they made it a play on, on the, on the black hat side to, to remove him from the board, that that's better. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Maybe they thought, oh yeah, there'll be people. Maybe they'll thought, oh yeah, there'll be enough people there. They'll, they'll go in it and they'll do that. They'll, they'll, they'll go outside the velvet ropes, <laughs> <sighs> whatever. And, but, uh, but I have to, I have to wonder what yeah. was the real intention for him based on this information, which I didn't know at the time. Um, and then based on the debate thing and what that would mean moving forward, I think it would have been, I think that that might explain why they overhyped to this point. Right. Yeah. They, they didn't get what they thought they were going to get from. Oh yeah. And what they'd already kind of set up previously. Cause it was sort of weird why they really pressed them on that before. Right. It was. Out yeah. Of Yes, that's right. And I mean, how did they know? To, uh, that's the other thing. How did they know when he was first coming in that he had this stuff on him? I mean, that's the other question that it is kind of unclear. And I don't think that that answer has come out yet. How did they know, how did they know he was carrying um, the high capacity magazines? Who, you know, how did they know that? Um, and remember, he's a felon, so he, he's not allowed to possess that stuff. So something there's something weird about that and how he got picked up for this. Um, and so he's saying he said that he never helped investigate others. Oh, okay. But those comments contrast with statements made in court by the prosecutor, his own lawyer, and the FBI. The judge in the case, Joan A. Leonard, said Tario provided substantial assistance in the investigation and prosecution of other persons involved in criminal conduct. As Trump supporters challenged the Republicans' election loss, oh my gosh, in often violent demonstrations? What? One! One time! Tario stood out for his swagger as he led crowds of mostly white, <laughs> God, proud boys in a series of confrontations and street brawls in Washington, D.C., Portland, Oregon, and elsewhere. The Proud Boys, founded in 2016, began as a group protesting against political correctness and perceived constraints on masculinity. It grew into a group with distinctive colors of yellow and black that embraced street fight. And that's the other thing that's interesting about this, how that group changed when Tario took it over, right? And became more militant. Uh, in September, their profile soared when President Trump called on them to stand back and stand by. He didn't call on them. That's all, he was asked about them and he just said, stand back and stand by. Tario, based in Miami, became the national chairman of the group in 2018. 
in November and December, Tario led the Proud Boys to the streets of D.C. after Trump's loss. Video shows him on December 11th with a bullhorn in front of a large crowd to the parasites both in Congress and in that stolen White House. You won a war, you got one. That's what he said. I mean, hello, FBI informant. <laughs> Good God. Uh. Former prosecutor said she was surprised that the defendant she prosecuted for fraud is now a key player in the violent movement that sought to halt the certification of Biden. I knew he was a fraudster, but had no reason to know he was also a domestic terrorist, she said. Mm. Oh, okay. I'm sure he wasn't working for the FBI as an informant and entrapper. I mean, come on. We're supposed to believe that? It is stunning to me that they actually expect people to believe that, oh, he just worked as an informant um in the past but certainly not you know as a proud boy telling people that you know he's going to start a war or whatever i mean come on uh, all right we are almost at the top of the hour here i quickly want to touch on joshua shalty's case ex-cia engineer tells judge he is incarcerated like an animal remember that uh, he had previously talked about and we learned from some of the documents that came out uh, about Shalti's case that he, number one, was not allowed to have any kind of attorney-client privilege and also that he was being essentially tortured in the MCC, being bolted down to the floor naked, held in solitary confinement, um, really disturbing stuff. A former CIA software engineer charged with leaking government secrets to WikiLeaks says it's cruel and unusual punishment that he's awaiting trial in solitary confinement. Exactly. Housed in a vermin-infested cell of a jail unit where inmates are treated like caged animals. Shalti, 32, has asked a Manhattan federal judge to force the FBI, or the, I'm sorry, the Federal Bureau of Prisons to improve conditions at the MCC, where he has been held for over two years under highly restrictive conditions usually re reserved for terrorist defendants. In court papers Tuesday, Shalti maintained he is held in conditions below that of impoverished persons living in third world countries. It is barbaric and inhumane to lock human beings into boxes for years and years. It is a punishment worse than death, the court filing said. A message seeking comment was sent to the Bureau of Prisons and DOJ. Last year, a jury deadlocked on espionage charges alleging Shalti stole a massive trove of the agency's hacking tools and gave it to the organization that publishes news leaks. He was convicted of lesser charges of contempt of court and simply making false statements. He's scheduled for another trial on espionage charges in June in what is said to be the largest leak in CIA history involving classified information. Afterward, he faces a separate trial on child pornography charges. Yeah, he just so happened to have just a bunch of child porn on his computer. I'm sure that has nothing to do with his job working for the CIA planting child porn on people's computers. 
has pled not guilty to all charges. In his 20s, Shalti, originally from Lubbock, Texas, worked as a coder at the CIA's headquarters in Langley, Virginia, where digital sleuths design computer code to spy on foreign adversaries. The so-called Vault 7 leak, published in March 2017 by WikiLeaks, reveals how the clowns hacked Apple and Android smartphones in overseas spying operations in efforts to turn internet-connected televisions into listening devices. After a year-long probe, investigators blamed Shalti, who had already left the agency after a falling out with colleagues and superiors, and moved to New York City to work at a news agency. What I find interesting about this is it's like, okay, and from what I was able to read, it seemed like that one guy that he was fighting with, the um, the dude that was like, a he was a drug dealer or something, and I think an illegal alien, that was the guy that he was arguing with, and I would put it on that guy more than I would on Shalti for being the one who stole classified information. It's possible. Um, okay, so we're at the top of the hour. Um, I'm gonna um, mm -hmm. Do you mind playing uh, as an outro, maybe a palate cleanser before turning it over? I put a link in the Zoom chat. This is a... Uh... Yes. Yes, let it's... me pull this up. Yeah, so this is, you know, we've known that Shalti was being tortured for a while. Um, and so, I, you know, I just feel bad for the guy. We should pray for him. Hey, so I got a little question. And I want to preface this by saying I'm a dummy. Don't have millionaire parents, don't have a trust fund. I'm not as smart as Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, Kamala Harris, Marco Rubio. So explain, why is it that when I pay taxes to the US government, taxes which are supposed to be helping me and my community, which are supposed to be for the betterment of the American citizen, why are we sending it to Egypt, to Pakistan, to Thailand, to Nigeria? Four billion to Central America. If I thought these people needed help, they live in bad countries, they need charity. Well, I'd donate to charity, wouldn't I? Are things really so great in America? We have money to burn. We couldn't find money for the wall. Can't find money for our crumbling infrastructure. Can't find money for rehab facilities for our opioid crisis. People starving in America every day. Can't find money for the education system. We can't even find $2,000 for people who lost their entire lives to coronavirus. $26 trillion in debt, $120 trillion in unfunded liabilities due to Social Security. You represent me. You represent my interests. So since I'm so dumb and you're so smart, could you explain how that's in my interest? Help me out, big guy, because I don't get it. Hey, so I got a little question. <laughs> I want to preface this by saying... <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I mean, I only wish... I mean, that's perfect, and I think that... I, I want to make a version that doesn't have the wall in it because I think you could you could use the same thing and and use it cross um, cross political. See what I'm saying? If you, Absolutely. But because it, if you, if it didn't have that one pit bit in there, and then, you know, obviously, I mean, it's not I, like I disagree. With, I'm just saying as far as the shareability of it. So if yep. anyone out there wants to take that, cut that, cut that little bit, it because he already put jump cuts jump cuts in it. Yeah. So it wouldn't make it like it was seem out of place. I think you could start posting that cross plot or, you know, cross political aisle yeah. and, and get some good mileage out of that. That's true. I mean, I think that a lot of the people on the left would even be on board with that because none of the stuff he's saying is untrue. I mean, ultimately that's where the biggest divide is, is that a lot of people on the opposite side, they think that we just don't care. It's no, that we realize we're being fleeced. And all our money is going out there. All the stuff that they wish they could pay for, health care, uh, taking care of the homeless, taking care of everything. 
could be solved instantly if we stop the hemorrhaging of our our, our wealth abroad instantly. Yeah, and that's exactly. the only thing that we're fighting for. And I think that's where the problem really comes into, you know, is where the real divide is, is that that is, is probably the key thing that we need to get across is why, like if people ask, why are you conservative? Why are you this and that? Why are you like some stupid Trump supporter? Uh, well, no, I'm not necessarily a Trump supporter in per se. It's that this, this, and this, the, you know, what he listed off about how we're fleecing the country at the expense of our own country. Yep, that's right. That's absolutely true. All right, we are a little bit over. We're passing it over to Coach Clay and I-70. How are you guys? Good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing all right. All right, you guys have a good show. Good night, everybody. You too, Radix and Drunk Panati. Have a great evening there, guys. Right. Thanks. Appreciate the time, guys. No problem. Great to see you. Hello, right. hello. Hello, hello. Yes. How's everyone doing out there? See you few odd thousand of our good friends there, I-70. Yeah, let me get over on D-Live real quick. All right. Well, let's uh, get things rocking here. We'll be right back after this, folks. Initiating satellite scan. 